Disney with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hi and welcome to the Robots Podcast. In this episode, we will visit the weird and wonderful world of Disney. You may be wondering why the Robots Podcast is talking about Disney, but the company actually owns a lot of robots, particularly in their theme parks. And they even have a whole research team dedicated to robotics. Katsu Yamani is an engineer mainly focused on humanoid robot control and motion synthesis, who now works as a senior research scientist for Disney. Our interviewer Audrey spoke to him about what doing robotics research for Disney actually means. They discussed Disney's history with robots, how Disney currently uses robots, how designing robots at Disney is different, and how you become an Imagineer. Hi, welcome to Robots Podcast. Hi. Would you introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Katsu Yamane. I'm currently a, research sci- a senior research scientist at Disney Research Pittsburgh. Um, I got a PhD in Japan um, and uh, did a postdoc at Carnegie Mellon University for a year. I went back to Japan to uh, become a faculty member. Um, and about eight years ago, um, I came back to the U.S. Uh, to join Disney Research. So what are you doing at Disney Research? Uh, so my research area is in robotics, uh, especially humanoid robots, uh, balancing locomotion, as well as human-robot interaction. Okay. So what kind of robots does Disney use currently? So um, you can see a lot of, lot of robots in theme parks, um, like many of the rides. Um, have some robots, uh, actual characters, uh, moving uh, besides a uh, uh, ride vehicle. So uh, that's the main uh, place that we use the robots. Mm-hmm. So they are repeating an animation, uh, something to add to the experience of a ride or theater performance or something? Yes. So uh, depending, depending on the story of, for, for that particular ride, uh, we have many characters uh, to represent that story and we represent those characters using robots. So how are the goals of designing robots for Disney different than, say, in a company or academia? Um, So for us, robots are really physical realization of characters. So um, those robots, of course, need to fit uh, inside of that character's uh, body shape and also do the motion that the characters are supposed to do so that uh, imposes um, many difficult constraints on the robot design. So for industrial robots, um, you can use as powerful actuators as you want. But in our case, powerful actuators means big body, well, which may not fit in the body, uh, body shape or size. So we have to be very careful about um, what kind of actuators we use and how uh, to design those robots. And also things like efficiency are not as much of a consideration. Um, yes, it's it's not like primary. Um, it is certainly a consideration, not, but not but, the primary right, one. Exactly. Not true. So it's more about creating an effect. 
with yes. the character? Yes. Okay. Now, can you tell me about the typical design of a robot at Disney now? The ones created for effect? Mm-hmm. So, yes, uh, robots at Disney goes back almost half a century ago when Walt Disney uh, came up with the idea of representing characters with robots. Um, at the time, he used uh, some of them used pneumatic actuators. Uh, later on, he used uh, hydraulic actuators. Uh, like I said, um, these characters have to have specific shapes, and the electric motors at the time was too big to realize those shapes. So, uh, and also, they have to be reasonably fast to uh, perform the motions uh, to um, make believable, believable characters. So, really, hydraulic actors uh, was the only choice that he could use to realize uh, these constraints. Mm-hmm. And so, Disney still uses largely hydraulic actuators. Yes, most of the uh, robots are still hydraulic. Uh, we are actually moving um, towards electric uh, actuators, and uh, we are slowly introducing electric motors into our figures. Um, some of uh, figures are actually hybrid, so big joints uh, like uh, skeletal joints may have hydraulic actuators, but hand or face uh, joints uh, may have electric actuators. Mm-hmm. Got you. And do these robots have any sensors? Other than encoders and things for realizing uh, motor position or hydraulic? Uh, currently, um, those robots just repeat the same motion all the time. So they typically don't have uh, sensors other than uh, necessary for uh, tracking specific animations. Yes. Are they typically made handmade by engineers? Uh, yes. Um, of course, they are, the, the components are standardized. Um, so there are several different sizes of actuators. Um, but uh, yes, uh, uh, like the link links, uh, those things are all handmade for a specific character by engineers. And so, are these robots quite general to performing different actions? And is this made in the specifications before the robot's design? Uh, yes. So usually, um, we have some idea about how complex uh, specific robots should be. Uh, so it depends on. Um, how important that robot is uh, for the ride. And uh, depending on that, um, we picked the number of actuators required for, for that particular robot. So some robots may have only a few joints. Uh, some may have uh, like 50 joints, including the detailed hand uh, or face. So what robot has that many joints? Uh, can you give me give me an example? Uh, for example, um, yeah, some of the figures in like Pirates of Caribbean, right? Um, they are pretty detailed. Uh, for example, there is an auctioneer figure. Um, it is a very elaborate figure and does a very complex motion. So those figures uh, can have a lot of joints, like I said, uh, 50, 60 joints, including the hand and face. Now. Are any of the robots' behaviors spontaneous, or are they all basically scheduled while someone is going through a ride or sitting through an experience? Um, the robots that are uh, permanent, permanently installed currently in the parks, uh, they only repeat the same motion. They may be triggered 
by a particular, for example, uh, ride vehicle location. But otherwise, uh, the animation is uh, the same all the time. So if you're doing this, are the robots built before this so you know that they're, they can be made in hardware? Or, so what I'm thinking of is if they animate the, the character and then find out that the robot needs to be changed, um, how does, is that how it works? Or um, is the so, robot built beforehand? Yeah, it works uh, both ways. So if it's kind of a chicken and egg problem, right? Yeah. Um, so animations are useful because that gives the requirements uh, for the robot hardware, uh, which is useful for uh, mechanical engineers to um, decide the specifications of the robot. Um, on the other hand, of course, uh, some of the specification may be impossible to realize. Uh, so that will come back to the animator, and animator may have to uh, change the animation to uh, be able to fit within the actual limitation of the robot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'd like to learn a little bit more about working at Disney. And so first, would you tell me about the difference between R&D and research within Disney? Okay. Um, so, I belong to Disney Research, uh, which is a part of Walt Disney Imagineering. And Walt Disney Imagineering uh, does have the R&D division, uh, which works more directly with the parks to actually build the robots that go uh, into the parks, or uh, they, may, they even have architects to uh, actually design and build the uh, right buildings. Uh, Disney Research uh, works more on the long-term uh, research problems. So our we develop research prototypes uh, of robots or uh, prototype controllers, but we don't uh, directly build the robots that go into the parks. Okay. So how many researchers are there at Disney? Um, I think we have around 80 uh, full-time researchers. That includes uh, research scientists and postdocs. Uh, we are actually located in uh, three different places. I, I am based in Pittsburgh. Uh, we have another lab in uh, Zurich, Switzerland, and a smaller lab in LA. Now, what sort of metrics are researchers at Disney evaluated on? I'm, so in academia, it's mostly publications. How, how does it work at Disney? So at Disney Research, um, of course, publication is uh, part of uh, uh, the criteria. Uh, we are mostly free to publish, so uh, we do publish at conferences, uh, journals. Um, but we also, of course, file patent as an industrial lab. And we also are evaluated based on the uh, tech transfer. Um, so how much of our research... Uh, was transferred to the business students. Mm-hmm. And then, so how similar is researching at Disney to researching at academia, or in academia? Um, so, actually, it is quite similar. I know some companies don't allow researchers to publish at all, but that's not the, the case with Disney research. Uh, like I said, we are free to publish uh, most of the time. Uh, actually, we are in, encouraged to interact with the academic community uh, so that we can keep up with the state of the art in the field. 
Yes. So speaking of the state of the art, how does collaboration work um, with academia? Um, yeah, so we collaborate with academia mostly through uh, internship, in the case of students, uh, consulting, uh, in the case of faculty member. And is there any collaboration for industry? Um, no. It's mostly um, outsourcing components yeah, outsourcing, and design yes. of yes. modules. Okay. And how does it work? So you mentioned business units, uh, and so collaboration from them, or when you learn about a problem they have or something they'd like, you, learn, you can take up what they are suggesting. But how, otherwise, how is your research direction... How do you form a research, your research direction? Um, so, yeah, we are mostly free to determine our research direction. Of course, it has to be aligned with overall company's goal. Uh, so, of course, we can't do something that's entirely unrelated to Disney's business. But otherwise, um, we can choose our research project uh, more or less freely. Um, and sometimes business units may come to us uh, with their problem and if that's uh, interesting from research point of view uh, we might take uh, that project and work with directly with the business units towards some solution mm-hmm. now what advice do you have for someone that would like to become an Imagineer um yeah, it's difficult. There are lots of different paths. Um, for Disney research, um, all the researchers uh, we have have a PhD uh, in some area. Uh, we actually cover a very wide range of um, fields. So I happen to work in robotics, but that's just one of many fields that we work on. Uh, we have a lot of computer scientists working in computer vision, for example. Uh, we even have a social scientist uh, who um, are yeah, we're looking at um, behaviors of the guests, for example. Uh, we also have a lot of researchers in machine learning. So um, to join Disney Research, uh, PhD is uh, a requirement, more or less. Um, for Imagineering, um, I know a lot of people sought it from interns and eventually um, join uh, Imaginary uh, as a full-time um, employee and, um, yeah, basically enjoying uh, their job. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's the end of today's episode. If you haven't had enough yet, just visit robohub.org for more robotics-related news, articles, videos, and, of course, podcasts. Or, you know, you could go book your next trip to Disney World to get a closer look at some of those awesome Disney robots. And just a final reminder that from the next episode onwards, the podcast will be changing its name to RoboHub Podcast, so don't be surprised. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye! Disney with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics.